Okay, so do you want to do like a cold open? Oh god, it's so fucking cold here, cat. <sighs> Where are you? Freezing my ass off. I'm in Canada. Like way north Canada. Oh, how, how okay. Um I'm a little offended that you didn't come visit me first. But I guess if you were Canada's big, I imagine you're probably in like Yukon or whatever. Yeah, I had a um it's top secret mission. A top secret mission? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the Canadian and US government joint hire you to hunt the Bigfoot? It's oh, it's worse than the Bigfoot cat. <sighs> what could be God, worse so than cold. the Bigfoot cuz that thing Fuck. is terrifying. It's Oh, cat is the ice Bigfoot. Oh. Yeah, somebody used oh, an ice stone just on the it. Ice Bigfoot? It evolved. Just just an ice Bigfoot. Ice it's Bigfoot. not like Yeah. Not like a big hand or a Well, I mean, it's foot. got it's got big hands, but that's did they just they call it Bigfoot? Okay. Cuz it it evolved from Bigfoot. So it's like Mr. Rhyme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh did you bring hand warmers with you? I f- I totally forgot. I uh I thought I would have killed it already and and then I could go home, but it's it's being really elusive. Okay. Uh do you want me to like get in the car and drive out to you? I can bring some hand warmers and maybe like an A&W root beer. God, yes, please. That would be so good. Okay. Um let me get up and I'll get out to the car. Hold on. I got to find uh, it. Okay. <sighs> God, it's so goddamn cold. I genuinely actually knocked no. something over. Wait. Cat, cat, it's here. Okay, Ice I gotta Big clean up. I spilled some vinegar. Ice Bigfoot is here. Good luck. Ice Bigfoot is here. Cat, please. So, for the listeners, Cat did actually spill. Like, it wasn't just a joke. Um, she did the little spiel. That was a, uh, I'm not actually, I should, I guess I should explain for the listeners since you don't have the visual. Um, I am not actually in, uh, Canada. I'm, I'm at home. I'm warm. Um, I, I, I wasn't actually hired to kill Ice Bigfoot. Unfortunately, um, the thing still is running rampant in Northern Canada. Um, okay, I I'm sorry. I for real actually spoke of our any of our listeners who live in northern Canada to be on high alert for Ice Bigfoot. It's Here, did you get dangerous. it? And, uh, 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 sorry, I'm just recording a little bit of a PSA for our uh, listeners who live in northern Canada. Okay, uh, I, I did actually spill some vinegar, so I had to clean that up. <laughs> it's okay, I, I filled the time. I've, I recorded okay. a PSA. I, I know we were doing a bit, but... <laughs> Outside of the bit, I did actually knock over a bottle of black vinegar, and I had to clean it up. <laughs> and now my whole apartment smells like black vinegar. All right, that 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 puts you in the right headspace for this movie, I think. Hello, and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles, and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we killed Bigfoot. But not Ice Bigfoot. Not Ice, Ice Bigfoot. Bigfoot is still at large. That fucker is elusive. Did you do it? You did an album sync, right? For this? Um, I kind of did an album sync. It wasn't like a full album sync. I mostly just listened to the album uh, Island by Asuno Joke. Okay. Who are a Japanese post-black metal, post-hardcore, um, like, 
I don't know how to describe them other than it's really hard to describe this album. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's big music nerd terms. Um, basically, it's like if you took pop punk and screamo and shoegaze and put it in a blender. I'm gonna have to check it out. I'll send you a link. Here's the link. Thank you. What album did you listen to? So I didn't listen to an album. Um, I discovered something that I think... um, I think there might be something here. So what I did was I... You cannot recreate this experience. I never would imagine that one could. But I listened to the Spotify playlist with all of the Neoscum music that someone made. And I put that on random. And the... It it was incredible. Like, all of the tonal shifts in the movie and the music, like, matched up super well. Like, right at the end, it was, like, th- like right as he, like, shot the Bigfoot towards the end, the... What the lyrics of the song were like see you in hell or something like that <laughs> it was like literally fucking perfect and I have a theory that uh, the Neoscum music is the perfect soundtrack for everything uh hmm cause it's extremely good on Neoscum it's extremely good synced to this movie that's 100% baby yeah I mean like you know, gotta give a lot of credit there to Gannon and Casey for the music choice that went into Neo Scum. Yeah. It's like, I, not to get, you know, not to pull the curtain back too much, but the way that the sound design within Neo Scum kind of, like, really builds out the universe, particularly musically, like the bed music that they use and everything like that. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's very much like an inspiration for what I want to do with disaster lesbians. Hell yeah. But instead of using um, like, you know, the specific kind of sound, I, one would, I guess you'd call it sound profile of Neoscum. Um, I want to do like a bunch of basically exclusively trans people making angry punk music. Oh, fuck Yeah. I don't know if you've listened to the preview episode that we did with Aaron's character. I have not yet. <clears throat> the new theme song for the next season fucking whips so much ass. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. It is called uh, My Mommy Dom Spit in My Mouth and Now I'm a Kami. And it's just oh, God. <laughs> a really fucking rad song. I, oh God, I need to, yep, definitely need to listen to this. It's... Also a fun episode, because we got to delve deeper into Aaron's character. We're likely doing our, um, like, I'd call it pre-Session Zero sort of test adventure. You know how, like, Mm -hmm. shows will do, like, short one-shot test adventures to get a feel for the game and everything like that? Yeah. That's our plan for tomorrow after we finish recording uh, our regular episode of The Same Coin. Sounds fun. So anyway, we watched a movie. We did watch a movie. Um, it, Do you want to say the name of the movie? Because we haven't said uh, that yet, and we're 15 minutes into the recording. So I guess we probably should. Um, it was called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. It, yep, that's exactly what it's called. Yep. And it starred Sam Elliott as the titular man. It was a factually accurate title. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did do both those things. Uh, and also... He had a dog. He had a very good dog. Yeah, the dog was wonderful. Um, so I want to discuss something before we delve into the depths and plummet for content. Okay. Is this movie a comedy? I have this question as well. Because it started off like it, like it, like, like it would have been a comedy. Like there were so many comedic elements in the opening couple of scenes, like... So, yeah, like, when we see the flashback of him going to kill Hitler, Yeah, he's dressed up as... Uh, he's, like, disguised in a spy 
as a spy. He's disguised as an SS soldier. Mm-hmm. And his wristwatch has, God. instead of hands, a swastika that spins. You can't fucking tell what it's pointing at! No, you can't! You absolutely cannot tell what time it is! And then he, he does the whole, like, man with the golden gun thing, where he has a, mm-hmm. a gun that's, like, assembled out of various normal items to to sneak it past security. Mm-hmm. And, like, while he's assembling it, he, like, drops part of it, and, like, it's played like it should be, like, a super goofy, campy comedy for the first scene. And then it gets real... There's some parts of it that are, like, still moments of humor shining through. Yeah, there's, like, yeah, but the majority of it is him being very sad yeah uh, there's also some like little elements where like you can tell they wanted to cast someone who was like a famous actor mm-hmm. for the part but that person may have been deceased or unavailable or too expensive <laughs> so they got like, vague like, lookalikes like and then what? used like lighting tricks to shoot them in a certain light to make them look more like what they wanted well like the bartender was like the cinematography and the lighting and the makeup and everything like that it really felt like they were trying to make him look like michael clark duncan i got that impression as well yes and that was uncomfortable like yeah pretty extremely uncomfortable then uh the guy who recruits sam elliott to join the u.s army and kill hitler um he kind of looks like discount andy circus oh <laughs> uh, like you know andy carnival Andy Carnival. <laughs> Andy Carnival also does a bunch of like voice acting, but he's not good at it. No, and his um his turn as Gollum had him barking instead of making cat throwing up hairball sounds. It's very weird. <laughs> it's yeah, I I'm not sure why they included that in uh the that one the the that one the show the the Bad the rings of name. power yeah you know it, it, like completely ignoring that that doesn't fit anywhere in the timeline <laughs> don't watch rings of power because it's funny to watch amazon lose a bunch of money because they spent a billion dollars on that show <laughs> so the basic plot of this movie is told through like predominantly flashbacks for the first 45 minutes right There's a lot of flashbacks basically the first half of this movie is sam elliott being sad Mm-hmm. And having memories of having killed Hitler. Yeah. And his the, the girl he was interested in back then. The girl that got away. Yeah. And that's most of the movie? That's that's literally the first half of the movie. They introduce Bigfoot in the second half of the yeah. movie. I have a theory as to what's happening. Because there's... You, you see it several times. He's got something in his shoe. Mm-hmm. I think that's a government tracking device. Okay, so I interpreted it as a metaphor for his post-traumatic stress. Okay, okay. It could be both. I mean, it's almost assuredly all three. A literal rock, a metaphor, and a tracking device. Yeah, yeah. There's also a... a, There's a scene where he decides to stop taking his medications. Yep. And immediately after that is when the, like government people show up and send him off to kill Bigfoot. Do you think... So you suggesting that this might have been a paranoid delusion? Yes. Huh. I don't think Bigfoot was real. Because it's got this, like, like before he goes to kill Bigfoot, there's this, like, completely, like, atonal, like, he's going through this, like, like stark white government facility where everyone is in, like, hazmat suits and shit. Mm-hmm. And that's, like... That's gotta be some some delusional shit he's going through, right? Interesting. Well, so, like, they, they set up, like, this little bit of breadcrumb trail where on the newspapers they talked specifically about a serial killer in Canada. Yeah, but Kat, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he lives, I'm not 100% sure where, but the night before that newspaper comes out, he gets, like, 
some three dudes attempt to like mug him and he just like beats the fuck out of them potentially kills them what if he's the serial killer okay that's that's a possibility but like i i think the movie sets him up as someone who is reluctant to kill no no no. he doesn't know he's a serial killer Hmm. he's killing people in some sort of fugue state because you see it when when like there's a moment where the dude gets into his car after stealing his keys and he just kind of like snaps and there's a shift in him and he like fucking annihilates all three of the dudes yeah but then why doesn't he shoot the third guy he already he he already like hit him in the head a lot he's done so he doesn't look he he i mean like they were still moving and breathing. Oh, but you know the Canadian healthcare system. They 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 had to wait for 35 years to get into a hospital. They just died. <laughs> but he's not Canadian. He's in, the, he's in the U.S. No, but he crossed the border to drink and killed the men in Canada and then drove home. I think you're underestimating the amount of rigmarole that goes into the Canadian border crossing. As someone who's had to do that through a number of very complicated rituals. But, like, he killed Hitler. He's flagged in government databases as, like, this guy's cool, just let him through. So, like, my thought was that the reason they asked him to kill Bigfoot is because they knew he could keep his mouth shut because he didn't brag about killing Hitler for, like, 50 years. Yeah. Um, that's probably, I mean... If Bigfoot had been real, that's probably why. I So, speaking of which, yeah, basically the first half of the movie is those flashbacks and him killing Hitler. There's a couple of very good moments when he crosses his fingers behind his back while saluting Hitler. Yes. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, him constantly getting interrupted while he's trying to propose to his girlfriend. Uh-huh. Hilarious. Extremely good. Um... Oh, there was then another I, one. I, I wrote in my notes here, this is about 45-ish minutes into the movie. I swear every sh- every third shot in this movie is a still frame, and I can never tell if it means we'll get a flashback or not. <laughs> I know every frame of picture means something in cinematography, but this is taking it too far. <laughs> so I think, like, with all of the comedy, that this movie is kind of confused as to what it wants to be. Yeah. Like, it feels like... There's scenes where they're trying to be a campy B movie, mm-hmm. and then there's also scenes where they're trying to be Oscar bait. Yeah, or like there's yeah exactly there's like attempt at real emotional resonance in a campy B movie. Yeah, but then there's also like um there's also just like genuinely funny stuff where it's like okay this is a parody of an affectionate parody of campy B movies, you know. Yeah, like, I I genuinely, like, the first couple scenes laughed my ass off, and I was sitting, I was, you know, the beginning of the movie, I'm ready to have a fucking great time throughout the entire movie, and then it's just wild tonal shift after that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, it's, I, I don't know, I feel like the the second half of the movie was more engaging for me. Basically, the the midpoint of the movie is when Ron Livingston and Rizwan Manji show up. Ron Livingston being the guy from Office Space, and Rizwan Manji being a Canadian working actor. <laughs> um, he was in Schitt's Creek. He was in Mr. Robot. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff. I, I'm trying to think. Oh, he was in Peacemaker. He's just been in a lot, and like, you know... There's definitionally something about Canadian working actors because they show up in a lot of stuff and there's something particular that happens to you when you move to Canada where very suddenly you get really into pointing out all of the Canadian working (laughs) actors that are in a movie or a show. Is this something that happens to the general you or just something that happens to specifically you? No, this is something that happens to the general you because, you know, you're watching Canadian TV and you see these people that, like, you know, you see shows that you wouldn't recognize outside of Canada because of Canadian content laws. Like, there's a specific percentage of televised programming that has to be made in Canada 
with Canadian actors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have a lot of shows that end up filming up here. Like, because then those shows can air on Canadian television and be counted toward the Canadian content quota. Fair. So you get to start seeing these certain actors who get cast in a lot of things because, you know, they're good, they're professional, and they make a decent impression enough that they get hired in other stuff. And then you start seeing them in things that aren't made in Canada because they managed to get hired for that role based on their work for other stuff made in Canada. Now, this was absolutely a movie made in Canada. Like, no question. Yes. Whatsoever. Um, but you you start to recognize these little, like, signposts. And, like, there are signpost actors, basically, that say this is a Canadian production. Okay. And it's just because it's all over TV in the way that, like, isn't really the same in the U.S. because there aren't those very specific laws about content production do you think if i okay do you know many of these people by name i know a few of them yeah um there's a good number of them are from this city and have worked with someone that emma has worked with before so i get a lot of oh yeah i know xyz extremely canadian sounding name (laughs) okay If we played a game where I give you the cast list for a movie, Mm -hmm. how accurately could you tell me whether it was filmed in Canada or elsewhere? Uh, I would maybe give myself 30%. (laughs) Fair. I'm not, I'm, you know, I haven't had a lot of time living in Canada yet. It's been less than a year. True. So there's something to be said for that yeah yeah so maybe maybe in a year or two you'll be for more sure accurate. i'd be better at it and especially now because we just recently subscribed to crave which is like canadian hulu but without ads um and crave has a lot of like canadian shows on it and we also have cbc gem so if we have been watching a lot of canadian shows <laughs> You're studying, is what you're saying. I'm studying, exactly. Perfect. Um, I... This is a weird movie. It was a very weird movie. Like, they tried to do so much stuff. They they tried a lot of things, and I don't know that there was a lot that succeeded. (laughs) Um, so, like, there's, there's... He gets recruited by, um... Ron Livingston, who represents the U.S. government in a nicely pressed, clean black suit. Mm-hmm. And Rizwan Manji, who shows up in a, like, um, a tweed jacket and, like, rumpled clothes and, like, very clearly. So there's, like, they were signposting this man is Canadian to me, <laughs> just with his outfit. That makes sense. Because they wanted to juxtapose him against the, you know, prim and proper pressed U.S. federal agent. And to do that, they make him look much more relaxed and very, like, professional, professionally unprofessional. Yeah. Which is, like, very, we're making a Canadian character. That, yeah, I, I, I did not pick up on that personally, but now that you mention it, yeah, that, that tracks. So they hire him to kill... Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a crisis of confidence because he is a pacifist. Yeah, and he's also old as fuck. That too. <laughs> but like, he's like, I'm, you know, you're asking me to kill something, to kill one of God's beautiful creatures. Well, I don't like, want to do that. <clears throat> he's like 70 something at this point. At least. Yeah, because it says on his, on his, when they, because he like, people think he dies and on his headstone is like 1914 to 1987 or something like that that makes sense yeah it's so okay i've got some questions because there's like little bits of this movie that don't make a ton of sense to me is his barber his brother yes that's what i thought yeah i did not pick up on that until the very end but yes before the yeah when he gives him the dinosaur right right before he ships off to war, his younger brother gives him a, a brontosaurus to take with him. Mm-hmm. 
as like a guardian token of protection kind of charm. Yeah. And he keeps that brontosaurus through the war and he keeps that brontosaurus for like another 50 years. I should and- know um, this is uh, like a little pewter figurine brontosaurus, not like a fully actual alive brontosaurus. <laughs> that would be a very different movie. <laughs> I just, I figured it was worth specifying. It's very worth specifying. I don't want people to think we watched a weird sequel to We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. <laughs> that movie that terrified me as a child. <laughs> I That movie scared me so much that in the last, like, 25 years, I have not watched it again. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it, but I At did. At this point, if I did watch it i think it would ruin the mystique (laughs) and i need to keep it as the thing that i will never watch again because it scared me too much as a child just for the sake of the story and the bit joke do you okay i have i have also a dinosaur related thing that is that for me also it is okay the terrible twos episode of the dinosaurs like sitcom where the baby goes, like, insane and tries to, like, kill them and shit. I don't know that I've seen that, but, uh, like, I've seen a lot of the dinosaurs and I just... That show was very good, but, you know, Baby Sinclair was kind of a psychopath. Yeah, and there's an episode where it's, like, fully a horror movie where the baby is, like, actually trying to kill his parents, I think. I haven't seen it in, like... 25 years or some shit. Okay. But I just remember being scared shitless by it as a child. Season 4, episode 6 of The Dinosaurs. Uh, which is available on Disney+. Plus. Oh no. Let me pull this up and we can watch it together. <laughs> no, please, no. Are you sure? I don't... <laughs> I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> I watch, watch it watch and then it. report back. Yes, please watch it and tell me if I'm, like, remembering it wrong. But also, he's... That baby is two. Yeah. And our upstairs neighbor's kid is two. And he does not sit in a high chair still. Uh, baby Sinclair has, like... Do, do dinosaurs develop at a different rate than humans? They would have to. Uh, n- obviously, but one would think that they would, like other reptiles, develop faster than humans, not slower. Well, maybe he just likes it. He's taking puberty blockers? Yeah, uh, well, he's he just likes the attention he gets as a baby. And if my recollection of the Terrible Twos episode is correct, he does, like, have some, like, insane horror movie powers. So maybe he's, like, controlling his own development intentionally. So, Baby Sinclair has magic powers that he chooses not to use to save the entire dinosaur species in the series finale. No, he just chooses to remain as a baby so he gets lots of attention. But then also chooses to die along with the rest of the dinosaurs because of global warming? Yeah. I I mean, he's... He's fucking exhausted. He's like 97 at that point and still a baby. He's like, what did I do to myself? I have so many regrets. I just want to die along with everyone I've ever known. And everyone they've ever known. It's the only way he could die because he's like magical and immortal. But like the perhaps he he called in the the asteroid himself. That was his doing because it's the only way he could die. Fascinating. (laughs) I think we're going to have to do... An unsound series, uh, which is our show where we watch TV shows. Yes, that definitely exists. Definitely a Patreon thing that we do. Unsound series. Uh, it's it's an incredible idea, and now I do want to do it. Uh, we would. It would have to either be very very lightly edited, or someone else would have to edit it because I'm already pretty maxed out on my editing capabilities. That's fair. So okay, so we we're talking about the. The brontosaurus, right? Mm-hmm. And how uh, he's got a tiny pewter brontosaurus that he then re-reveals while he's climbed up a mountain while hunting this Bigfoot, right? Yeah. 
so first of all, he like is running away from something when he gets into the woods. He almost falls off a cliff and breaks his pinky. I think. It's I think. I, I don't think he's running disgusting. away. He's trying to chase the Bigfoot that he just shot. Oh, and it's right, running right, away from right. him. Right. Okay. So I wasn't paying attention for that part of the movie all that perfectly, but yes, he does do that. So he falls off the cliff, breaks his pinky. It's gross. Yeah. He bandages it up. He then, on a broken pinky, climbs a mountain to get this Bigfoot. He finds the Bigfoot. It's, like, at the top of the the mountain, like, laying down, about to die. And then it dies. And so he decides to, like, build a funeral pyre for it. And right as he lights all of the sticks on fire... Well, you're, you're skipping something that's very essential to his character. Oh, he holds the, the dead Bigfoot's hand. He holds the dead Bigfoot's hand and he cries yeah. because he feels bad for having harmed one of nature's great beauties. He don't you like know? doing murder. He was sad about he killing Hitler, too. He doesn't like murdering things. Which is yeah, he, he, probably one of the I, reasons I think, he didn't brag about it. Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about being remorseful about having to take a life no matter who it is. Yeah. But I think he should have maybe been a little bit more proud to have killed Hitler. Yeah, probably. Like there's that scene where he's like he hops a train and then he sees a bunch of SS officers marching people with pink triangles and yellow stars on their jackets yep. to the train and he's like, "Yep, this is fine." <laughs> he's kind of exemplifies the pacifist's paradox. Yeah. That by choosing the extreme form of nonviolence, he, in fact, through inaction, allows harm to come to others. Which means we know he's not a robot, but yeah, <laughs> he's also true, true. kind of a bad person. He's... This is good information. He's not a robot. I saw a uh, an, Im- an image this morning where someone had taken a, a recapture and edited to say, harm a human being or through inaction allow harm to come <laughs> to a human being to prove you're not a robot. Fuck. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so... Yeah, this, there's this weird, like, pacifist element to it that he cries when the Bigfoot dies, except, surprise, the Bigfoot does not die. It, like, yeah, it violently him. jumps up when he starts to light the funeral pyre and, like, fucking decks him. Yeah, like, tosses him, like, down a hill, and then he, he gets up and chases it, and they have a, a knife fight. Yes. Um, he stabs the Bigfoot a bunch. And it throws up on his face a lot. Mm-hmm. Bites off his ear. Yeah. Um, Breaks his arm with a fucking karate <laughs> knee. Yes. The Bigfoot, like, genuinely uses, like, martial arts <laughs> techniques, which is so fucking funny. Yeah. It was extremely... That fight was amazing. <laughs> and again, like, completely atonal to the, like most of the rest of the movie. So it fades on him ostensibly dying alongside the Bigfoot after having shot it on the top of this mountain. Yeah, because he's got a broken broken arm. It, like, bit his throat. It bit off his ear. He's done so. He's not doing well. Yeah. So we cut to his barber brother, who is sad about him being dead. His bar brother. Um, his bar brother. <laughs> Um, yeah. So his my brother is like with his dog, yeah, uh, fishing on a lake. When he shows up at the lake, like, how do you think he knew to go to that lake? Great question. Did he ask someone be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm alive. Don't tell my brother if you see him." But where's my brother? I maybe he used the same skills he used to track down the Bigfoot to track down his brother. True. Or maybe trying to maybe think of he a just, big brother Bigfoot joke. Maybe his brother just always goes fishing at that lake and he knew. That's also a possibility, but like how would he have known that his brother was going fishing that day? Oh, he's just sat around waiting for him by the lake. <clears throat> it probably took a couple of months because, you know, it was out of season for really fishing and then finally first day of fishing, his brother's out there. 
So he then we then get treated to one last flashback where he tries one more time valiantly to propose to his girlfriend. She just doesn't turn around. Yeah. To see him, and she takes him to the train to go to war or whatever, and he's forever alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also skipped over the point where she waited for him and wrote him a bunch of letters, and then got tired of waiting because he never wrote back because he didn't get the letters, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't. He gives his. But he did Barbara get brother... the letters. He did get the letters, but much later. Okay. Because he because they were all like bundled up and delivered to him after the fact. So I don't know. Who knows? Um, he also does give the Brontosaurus back. That's an important note. Yeah, yeah. And for a he, moment of he goes to his grave and digs up a box that has been like, like he keeps almost opening it throughout the movie, and he digs up a box and almost opens it and then closes it again. Yeah, I think it's a box of like mementos or something like that that he like it, the 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 box is in effect i think maybe part of the metaphor for his regret about the past yeah yeah for sure and in accepting that the past is what it is and he can't change it but he can heal it, that's when he gets the literal and metaphorical rock slash tracker out of his shoe mm-hmm. and the government can't track him anymore so they can no longer hire him to kill any more people Mm -hmm. and he is free people or cryptids yes so uh so we have two proposed theories here Mm -hmm. one is that this is all a paranoid delusion yes and two is that the government secretly hires elderly men to handle things like ufos and cryptids Hmm. I don't know which one I like more, honestly. I think it being a delusion presents a more interesting story for real film analysis, mm-hmm. which is not what we do here. <laughs> Great point. So I, you know, I think we can thank that theory and let it go because it doesn't spark joy in the same way that a government agency that specifically tracks and seeks out septuagenarians to murder cryptids is a far more interesting concept. I do love that for me and us. Oh, I almost forgot. There is a scene in which he gets shaved by a man. Yes. Um, Andy Carnival. Yes. And the guy, like, looks behind his ear for a second. Mm-hmm. Was he checking for a neck drug patch? So he, this is the thing. He doesn't just look behind his ear. He actually cuts him back there. Yeah. I think he wasn't looking for a neck drug patch. I think he was looking for a dermal implant that the U.S. government might have put there. True. To track him. Yeah, he, but he looked in the wrong place. It was in his shoe. Exactly. Oh, damn. So... Andy Carnival might have been the only trustworthy person in this entire movie. I mean, you gotta trust him to let him shave you like that, you know? And that's what the whole exercise was, was, do you trust me? It's interesting. It's like an initiation kind of a thing where it's like, you have to prove that you trust me. And once you do, then I will remove any government tracking devices from your skin yeah, we're bringing you into the the resistance. The inner circle. The stealing a German shepherd dog from a little German boy. What is the resistance fighting against? Um, so, like, obviously him killing Hitler is essential to the war effort, right? Yes. But the U.S. government never really meaningfully tried to assassinate Hitler. So do you think so, he was supposed to make a show of it to, like, put the fear in him? And then he was no, like, I'm actually going to no, do no, it. No, no, not even that. I think the resistance group were a bunch of people who saw what was happening in the war and, you know, knew about the various atrocities and took it upon themselves outside of the chain of command to mobilize an operation to kill Hitler because the U.S. government wasn't willing to go far enough. Yes, this is exactly what happened. So less that the U.S. government was complicit and more just that 
they were still following standard rules of engagement rather than doing what was absolutely necessary. And this is why they put a tracker in his shoe after he came back. Because they knew that he was willing to do anything necessary. Yes. For the sake of peace. Yes. And they can't have that. They gotta keep him on a leash. Yeah, absolutely. They gotta keep that kind of a guy on real tight rein, because what happens if the U.S. government is the thing that's standing in the way of peace, as evidenced by the last 70 years? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So... Maybe also the drugs that he's been taking are to are to keep him docile, you know? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Like, the U.S. government is basically trying to eliminate the threat of someone who is willing to think for themselves. Yeah. To make brave and heroic decisions, as it were. Because otherwise, like, this, it, the, the, the present-day Sam Elliott... This is in the 80s. He would have murdered Ronald Reagan. And he wouldn't have needed to impress a lesbian to do it. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, seems like maybe probably... "Mm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's okay to want to impress Jodie Foster by murdering Ronald Reagan. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to murder Ronald Reagan. (laughs) There aren't many bad ones. It's it's probably one of the stranger ones, but yeah. So anyway, uh, do you want to break for mid roll? Sure. <laughs> okay. Hello, listeners. It's Kat with this week's mid roll announcements. I've got a really exciting project in the works right now. For the entire month of October, I'll be making daily RPGs released as a part of an anthology sold on my itch page. Each day comes with a new RPG with varying rules and numbers of players. Some games may even be fleshed out into full games if they have the legs for it. Right now, you can get 13 games for just 5 US dollars. That includes games like Web, where you play as an emergent sentience on the 90s internet. Name, where you make and destroy a legendary weapon. And my personal favorite so far, Curses, a game where you play as a cartoon villain inspired by the likes of Robbie Rotten and Dr. Doofenshmirtz. There'll be a link in the show notes if you're interested in picking it up. Prices go up on the 15th, so don't delay. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow me on my Tumblr at zaftycat.tumblr.com or Kira on her Tumblr at sapphire-mess.tumblr.com. As always, I'm on Twitter at zaftycat, and Kira is there at sapphire underscore mess. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or your kismesis. You can also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via tweet or Tumblr message, and you'll get a shout out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us, so please consider that support. Very genuinely, the Patreon money did help us buy groceries this month, so thank you. No integer dollar amount is too small, and we really, truly appreciate each and every one of you. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let past me and Kira get back to talking about the man who killed Hitler, and then also the Bigfoot. A movie that exists. Cue the VCR sound. Uh, so would you like me to try to find a summary to see if there's a summary on Wikipedia? There has to be, right? Surely. Let's see. There is. Good. Um, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot is an American adventure drama film written and co-produced by Robert Krakowski in his feature debut starring Sam Elliott, Aiden Turner, Larry Miller, Ron Livingston, and Caitlin Fitzgerald. Um, the film debuted at the Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal, figures. Yeah. Uh, set in 1987, the story is about Calvin Bohr, Sam Elliott, an old man living his last days in his quiet hometown with his dog. Bohr reminisces about his past with flashbacks showing that during World War II, 
He served as a special ops soldier on a mission to assassinate Adolf Hitler, which he pulls off successfully. However, the operation was classified and never revealed to the public. As Barr goes about his day-to-day routine, which includes visiting his brother Ed, played by Larry Miller, in his barber shop, he fights off a gang of thugs who try to steal his car and is followed around by a pair of mysterious men in a government car. The men eventually approach him, identifying themselves as joint American and Canadian government officials. They explain that all life on Earth may be coming to an end as a strange virus has been killing people and animals in the Canadian wilderness, and the original source of the virus is Bigfoot itself. Knowing Barr is a highly trained tracker, sorry, knowing Barr is a highly trained tracker and survivalist, and one of the few people on Earth immune to the virus. That was not communicated at no, all. It was not. The agents tried to recruit him to go into the wilderness and kill Bigfoot in hopes that it will end the epidemic. Barr hunts the Bigfoot, wounding him. After much tracking, he finds the Bigfoot dying. Barr chooses to burn the body rather than turn it over to the government, but the Bigfoot is still alive and then attacks Barr, maiming him. The two fight until Barr stabs the Bigfoot and ultimately shoots him to death. Barr lies back, seemingly dying from his wound. The screen fades to Barr's funeral as his brother gives a beautiful eulogy. That's editorializing. I I mean, yeah, we we wouldn't know. Uh, time passes and Ed goes fishing with Barr's dog. Secretly alive, Barr reappears and the two go fishing together. Barr later digs up his casket to retrieve an old box and walks home. The box's contents are never revealed. Yeah, that's the movie. That's well, I did watch that. So, I have now found out that this movie was not filmed in Canada. Oh. It was filmed in Western Mass. Interesting. Okay. So, that's all of the information that is there about this movie. No. Uh, Other than the fact that it does hold a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. Do you you want uh, to hear some reviews of this movie? I would love some reviews. Okay. So, uh, C.J. Meyer gives this one star and titles their review, This movie sucks. <laughs> uh, that is spelled All right. S-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-
there not being one involved yeah there's no other way that happens um amazon customer gives this four stars and titles the review many movies rolled into one and it reads this movie had everything war pandemic and bigfoot yeah that's the those are like the three major things that have happened in the last decade (laughs) yeah true Collector Corner gives us four stars and titles review, History is Fun! And it reads, This was a gem amongst 100 new releases. I loved it. If you want a DVD with a story, a great actors, i.e. Sam Elliott, and shifting locales, locales, action, and no clue where it's headed next, this is it. I buy a lot of movies. I loved Blade Runner as I saw it in the bog screen on the day. Well, Blade Runner 2 was entertaining, but not a Blade Runner sequel as far as I'm concerned, then you know how I judge movies. I like fresh, new, and engrossing flicks. They tend to be often be independent films. If you like films such as, say, um, Abe Lincoln fighting zombies or vampires and war movies like Inglorious Bastards, then this just might be a movie for you. Come on, it's 10 bucks new. Give it a shot. I doubt you will say been there, seen that. Happy viewing, M. Penn author. Yeah, I mean, um, if you thought Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was a good movie, <laughs> this might be one for you. I can't object to that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Amazon customer gives it four stars. Titles the review, Honor, Integrity, Sacrifice, and Duty. And it reads... Is that, isn't that like John Cena's whole thing? <laughs> It very well might be. Hustle, loyalty, respect. <laughs> um, the, the review reads, If these ideals don't speak to you, then you just won't get this movie. If they do speak to you, you will find it to be a rich and emotional journey of the man behind the myth. Both Sam Elliott and Aiden Turner give subtle yet powerful performances, illustrating what it means to put the greater good ahead of personal interest even when a successful mission in the end renders futility. It taps into a bygone era beautifully, a time when men of very few words were called to do extraordinary things without a spotlight. It's not about taking out Hitler or taking out the Bigfoot, but what those actions leave behind. The pacing and score reinforce the emotions throughout. The audience is given time to settle into Calvin's reflections and melancholy with him. It's a very personal retelling of a very personal story, and a remarkable achievement for a film made on a minuscule budget and without a major studio behind it. Definitely worth multiple viewings and reflection. I'm frequently reminded of the fact that culturally we ridiculed Marty Scorsese for complaining about Marvel movies (laughs) and what they do to film literacy. Yeah. But having people like this give these delightful reviews where they praise this movie and its value for multiple watches, that revives my hope in cinema. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't couldn't finish that. (laughs) I got pretty far. I wasn't sure where that was going. Oh, God. The landlords have turned the heat on. Oh, no. Probably because it is 10 degrees outside, but, like, you know, with you being out in the Canadian wilderness hunting ice Bigfoot, I just, I feel bad about complaining about being warm. Uh, I, it's it's fine. You know, it's, I, you know. Um, yeah, I still have to clean up that vinegar, otherwise I would be on my way over to help you with some food and some hand warmers and I, stuff I, like that. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's tough going out here yeah you know oh it's a bit of a strange choice for us to record a podcast while you're out there freezing in the canadian wilderness but you know satellite phones are a miracle they are the quality is truly incredible these days do you want another review yes please amazon customer gives this five stars and titles it so horrible you need to watch it Uh, And it reads, absolute worst movie I have ever seen. I've seen some dumb shit. Sam Elliott was the reason I rented it. I almost lost every ounce of respect I had for the man. It was almost eight bucks to rent. Most popular movies are five. 
It's the ultimate ripoff. I gave it five stars mm-hmm. to make it look good and troll someone else into watching it. Yeah, you know, certainly I could see that being amusing to you. Especially when you get the, was this review helpful? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Clay Yancey gives us five stars and titles their review, Like a grown-up Goonies with guns and Hitler getting shot and Bigfoot. And it reads way better of a movie than the title leads. I watched it as a rainy day flick, and it was way beyond my expectations. Now, I want to unpack the Like a Grown-Up Goonies with Guns. What is... What does that mean? Um, it means that it's good insofar as you remember it nostalgically, but then when you actually watch it, you realize it's not that great of a movie. Okay, I've never seen Goonies. At least... That's how I feel about Goonies. Okay, I've never seen it, so I, I thought it was about a group of children. It's a, a movie that you children. tend to watch... Yes, it is. It's a movie you tend to watch as a kid, and as a result, you have um, kid critic lenses uh-huh. on, and then if you watch it again years later, it's like, uh, alright. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I suggest never watching Goonies again if you've watched it before. Okay, well, I haven't seen it before, and I won't watch it. Perfect. Um, Bruce gives us five stars and titles the review, A Guy Guys Film. And it reads, if you like Sam Elliott, you will like this film. The dude abides. See, this is the thing. When you see Sam Elliott in something, you're gonna get a review that mentions his turn in The Big Lebowski. And I... (laughs) I'm just a little tired of a lot of talented actors being reduced to their characters in what is ultimately a very good movie. But, you know, there's more to Jeff Bridges. There's certainly more to John Goodman. Yeah. There's, but there is a lot more to Steve Buscemi. Obviously, we, you know, have an understanding of the complexities of how Steve Buscemi can perform as an actor, yeah. given his history on this show. But it's... It's one of those movies that, like, when you see the poster for it on a college dude's wall, you realize that you probably shouldn't suck his dick. Yeah. Um, if you're in college. I would not hook up with a college yeah, student now. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. They're way too young. I will not go down on you if you don't remember 9-11. <laughs> That's my cutoff. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's, it's a that's good. It's a good that's, cutoff. That's good. Yeah, I'll allow it. It's a it's a good policy. <clears throat> um, yeah. George thought this was one of the five best movies of this decade. Last decade, but yeah, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. I just want to note that my father-in-law listens to this show. <laughs> Sorry, um, Daddy. Is his name? Yeah. Is his name George? No, his name is Jim. Okay. So he's not this reviewer? No. Okay. Do you think he maybe reviews movies under the pseudonym George? Um, I think he would enjoy this movie. (laughs) But, like, from the perspective of it being a campy B movie. Yeah. But, like, it, it's not even campy the whole way through, is the thing. It's so weird. There's elements of camp, like when he sleeps outside while hunting the Bigfoot. That's campy. God damn it, cat. Do you want one last review? Uh, yeah, sure. Robert gives us five stars and says that the title's the review. Too bad he couldn't thump Trump. And it reads, unless you're a Nazi or Bigfoot, this movie is great. What about Bigfoot enthusiasts? Mm. Squatch lovers, if you will. Squatchos. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, they, I'm sure they love getting a glimpse of it. And it's weird anime eyes. Um, I can't imagine they would enjoy seeing it killed. So it's probably no. a mixed bag for them. Yeah, there's something to be said about that. Uh, so, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about with this you movie? You know they call Bigfoot in Italy? Uh, what, the guy who's, the guy who's boot the, the country is? Spaghetti Squatch. <laughs> I'm gonna go kill myself. <laughs> Thanks for listening. (laughs) We sure didn't.
Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories or follow Kat and Kira at ZaftiKat, Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and at Sapphire underscore mess, respectively. The best way to support the work we do is to tell a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. If you'd like to support our work monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash sosismedia. There you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so much more. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel. You can find this and Chris's other work at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time, stay wizard.